This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook. I'm so excited to have Jamie Dominici here. She's the Chief Marketing Officer of GoTo. Welcome to The Playbook. Thanks, thanks for having me. And you nailed my last name. I practiced six times, very rare, but we did it. (laughs) It took me a while just to figure out that was your married name. So I was like, well, her real name was Crosby, so she probably (laughs) has difficulty saying her own name. Uh, But nonetheless, you are a visionary when it comes to marketing. One of the things that I pride myself on is is branding, is understanding an essence of a brand, which is, in my opinion, more valuable than ever today because of the size, scope, and scale and availability, or what I call discoverability, that wasn't when you were at Salesforce for 10 years, we didn't have that same discoverability. How were you able to, one, find the essence in the company in order to make the change in the rebranding? That's a great question. And I I believe so strongly that the brand is critical. And so many marketers might overlook it or not see the power of it, but the brand is key to everything you do. And if you don't have one or you're not investing, I think it's, hurts your company. So when I walked into my new company, um, Log Me In was the name, and it didn't have an identity. Like it just <laughs> didn't. It had a name, it had 16 websites, it had 14 brands. I could not tell you who they were or what they did. And I said that through the interview process. Like, not getting it. It's a mess. <laughs> um, but when I went in then, what I did was talk to customers, talk to employees, and I actually went to the office. It's in Boston. And I walked in and I said, Oh, I get it. Like, you're relatable, you're, you care about your customers, you want to make things easy, and you're fun. And none of that shows externally. Um, so we really honed into that. Like, who we were at the core was great, but nobody could understand it. So we went on a journey to rebrand the company to really capture that, both via the name, via the colors, via every touch point that customers now have with our brand. We're trying to bring that to life. And... You know, I've run some pretty big companies myself, and I always have tried to find the curious and creative to run as a CMO, um, to understand that communication of essence. But a lot of times, my board, for example, my CFO, for example, all they saw was branding and marketing as an expense. And even as the CEO, I had a difficult time communicating what a great investment, and this is pre yeah. the amplification period that we live in today, the discoverability period yes. of today, where yeah. people market for you once they get the essence, they have their own essence community for you. How have you been able to articulate that investment value in a brand so it's not so obscure and obtuse yeah. that all the financial, or maybe I, I'm bold enough because I don't run it anymore. The closed-minded people, they just don't get it. How do you articulate okay. the investment of, yes. of what you're doing? And you got to learn from your mistakes. So I walked into my board a month in and said, we're going to rebrand. And they said, no. Unless it's free. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what? That's going to cost money. You're going to change the name. That sounds expensive. All these things. Um, so I said, let me come back in a month. And what we did was build out a business plan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to point this out because this is a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, mid-sized business owners listening right now. Notice what Jamie said. I said, let me come back in a month because a lot of people will try to oversell, back-end sell, lie, manipulate, cheat, deny, and resist what they're saying. And then we create these 
barriers that take years to overcome. You said, hey, fair enough, let me come back and try to meet you where you're at. Yeah, and, and take a different lens, because you're right. As a marketer, we understand why brand matters, but it looks like an expense line on your P&L, right? And so, and you're saying, I'm not gonna buy leads, instead, I'm gonna invest in this brand. Um, so it's very abstract. But what we did was build a business plan, which was really gearing your brand up what you wanted to do, which is to drive uh, awareness, and awareness drives traffic. Traffic goes to your website, your website is where you capture leads, leads become dollars. So we essentially built out a business plan that translated why having a brand, one brand, a valuable brand, mattered, and how it translated down the funnel to dollars. Um, and by the way, that doesn't happen overnight. If you're going to rebrand a company, you're going to take a little bit of a hit in the beginning. But if you look at your five-year journey, when you start ramping up your awareness, your organic traffic, it translates to dollars. That, my board, liked. You're <laughs> that, right. they improved. And a lot of people, unfortunately, on the marketing side as well, don't take a quantitative approach. They take a very subjective approach. Yes. And they also, one of the things I love is utilizing time as a dependent variable in the aggregation that occurs with a brand in leads, yes. which are specific to revenue, and we can do the math with when we know under five years, so that you have the buy-in, not everything's gonna change in year one, and you've you got the buy-in that it's gonna be a hit up front. Yes. Now, the economy's changing, and, and it changes rapidly, by the way, which I love because it provides opportunity, but one of the things I see in branding is that those people that see it as expense today are going to be penalized exponentially because most people are going to see it as an expense. There's going to be less competition for the communities that are available. And those who double down on the investment are going to exponentially receive even more. So now you've got two areas where you're going to create an exponential factor of exponentiality. Yes. And I, I say this, the economy is going to always be changing, and when we look at the environment that we're in, a lot of companies are going to lean out, and those are the companies that are not going to invest in their brand, and what's going to happen? They're going to start losing visitors, awareness, and organic traffic. The companies that lean in are going to continue to build that up in the downturn, and then when we come out, they're going to be already sitting on top, and all the other people who leaned out, they're going to have to make up ground. So. It's a tricky, it's a tricky math equation. I'm not going to lie, and I think marketing is half art, half science, but they both have to come together. But I think of these times as where you need to lean into your brand and really look at your marketing mix to see how you're continuing to invest in that. Because you don't want, I mean, now I'm going to get into the real technical part, but you have to bid on keywords and you got to be a leader in you know, your SEO rankings. You don't want to lose that because that's where you're going to get your organic best traffic and your best demand. Lean in. Lean in also with one message, one brand. You oh, know, yes. I see so many people that do a lot of different things and like you guys used to brand a lot of different things. I think it's more important than ever to have the go-to brand um, because take Dr. Popple, uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. And, and this okay, is personal to me, right? Do, do you ever see her? I, yeah, but it's disturbing. A Very, bit. I hate it. Okay, so good. Okay. So you and I agree on that. Which is interesting, right? Because we both are not fans of watching pimples being popped. No. But we know the brand. Yes. In fact, what makes it more powerful to me is that she sticks to just... She does a lot more things than pop pimples, if you've ever seen the TV show. And it gets more and more disgusting, whatever she does. I can't last the whole show. I, and neither can I. And, but... 
people just know her as Dr. Pimple Popper. One thing, just like go-to. Yes. I know you as go-to. Yes. And I know you do a whole bunch of other things as well. The difference is I love what you do and I don't like what she does. But more importantly, she has more subscribers on YouTube, people who are engaged. A subscriber yes. is much different than a follower or somebody that views you. These are people who are engaged. Then the entire Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is our number one sport in America, two to one, and all the, the hall, all the Hall of Famers combined have the same number of subscribers that she does because I believe that if you stick to go-to yes. and you do a whole bunch of things, that you are much better off than trying to figure out all the different things and then bring people together. A hundred percent. And when you think about it, so many of us out there, whether you're small or a big business, you probably have one or two, you might have two products or two offerings. And that's when it starts to get confusing. So my pre when I walked into my company, we were trying to build 13 brands and 16 websites. But that means I have to spend money to drive demand, to build awareness across all of those. So our money was split and divided and therefore not really winning at anything. Hence the rebrand. Now we're one company. I'm just trying to build up one brand, which is go-to. And then you can come into my company's front door, our website, and from there self-select or learn about our portfolio. But I do believe you have to up-level. But to do that, you have to have a great brand, you have to have a great value prop, you have to have simplicity in your message, you have to be really consistent. But I think a lot of people get stuck down in the second level where you're trying to build up multiple brands or multiple products and just build demand. You kind of have to reprioritize. My rule of thumb is like at least 30% of your budget, time, effort should be going into your brand at least at a minimum. I like more, but you have to really balance it. And you know, I'm someone who never thought I would have my own personal brand. I represented the most famous entertainers and athletes in the world. And I always was, oh, you know, that's Warren Moon's guy. That's Troy Aikman's guy. You know, yeah. I was the guy. I mean, great. Behind, great. Which was cool. The guy behind the guy. Right. Great. And now I have my own brand because I learned that I could build a community and then become, number one, just discoverable f from the community, but also have the community discover the 18 different things yes. to the point that I used to worry, like, how do I describe, uh, should I tell them I'm a speaker or a coach? I have a top podcast or TV shows? What, what should I tell them, right? Sports agent, marketer? And when I just was David Meltzer, yes. and you're part of David Meltzer's community, then they learned about you and said, hey, do you do this? Actually, I do. And then I started creating even more products yes. of myself, and I see the same thing happening. How important is your focus co uh, connecting brand to community? I think it's key. I mean, consumers have changed. They expect their interactions with you to be best in class, and that experience they have with your brand is going to be what makes or breaks them. So when I think about building a community, I, I think it's about building trust with your customers. And that is something that you do across every touch point, every experience, from day one on your website to you know post-sale. Everything about how they interact with you is gonna build up that trust, which will build up that community. Um, and then that's why customers are loyal. They'll stay with you, they'll buy more, because they believe in you and they relate to you and they like you, versus another company who doesn't think about that end-to-end -end experience. They might have a great product, but they're not gonna create that trust and commitment from their customers. And you developed, when you came in, a five-year marketing plan yes. that had quantitative analysis showing where dollars are spent and made in investment. But, you know, through these years, there's a lot of adaptability that's necessary. And so when you have to go back to the board because there's a pandemic or you have to go back to the board because there's a huge recession 
or whatever may have to, I always say, if you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan, let alone a well-developed marketing plan. I'm going to use that one. God will laugh at you immediately. What are some of your strategies for adaptability of changing the plan from where you are? Do you have like certain things you look at to be adaptable? Yeah, I mean, ironically, I did just go back to my board and I have a different plan. Yeah. Um, Because there's a recession, (laughs) right? And I had to think about, so one, have metrics show progress. Every board meeting I have, even every meeting with my CEO, you know, I'm showing him, here's what we said we were going to do, here's how we're trending. Like, everybody loves a nice stoplight, yeah. you know, good, <laughs> bad, or, or not so good. Um, and then two, I was up front. I said when the economy's changing, I was going to move, you know, three websites and consolidate them, but moving that traffic right now is probably not a good idea. I'm going to move it out a year, here's why, here's the impacts, and here's how it's going to look. And they said, okay. So I think it's about education and consistency, um, but also always, always be nimble, you know? Yeah. Always be thinking about how you're going to adapt and adjusting your metrics to, to make up with that. And in the same mindset, I'm blessed to be around some of the world's well-known CMOs, great marketers, and they have one common characteristic uh, and you have that characteristic because you mentioned it early on in the interview when you said, well, it's 50% this and 50% luck or guessing or whatever. Yes. It's called humility. And I see a lot of marketers, not just CMOs, but directors of marketing, executives of marketing, and even just marketing associates that take a I definitely know approach. Yeah. And I think that's the death of a marketer. Yeah. That if you don't sit on a premise of look, I'm a really good test, no pun intended, test and go person, (laughs) not I'm a test and no person. Yes. And how have you been able to communicate the humility of being a marketer tied into, you're tied to a number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I live and die by the number. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? I think um, there was this good mentality. I, I took this mindset at Salesforce and I brought it to my team and our mantra is kind of better, better, never best. So always pushing, always trying to think outside the box. But our second value is move fast. Yeah. So like test and iterate and go. Um, Some things work, some things don't. But as long as you can keep moving fast, I think, and take that mindset of pushing the boundaries, uh, you're in a good space. And like really tactically, on our website, we're changing our message a lot. Not our core message, but our product positioning, our pricing and packaging. We're evolving it, testing, see what's working, see what's uptick doesn't work we move on to the next test really quick (laughs) I bet and one of the other things I've learned is the uh, the importance of prioritization yes one of the things that creates procrastination or the feeling of overwhelmed not just for the marketer or the marketing executive but for the board and the CEO is this feeling of too much and so do you have any uh, advice on prioritization when you're in a space where there's many options, opportunities, and touches of favor. So this is what I, I I live and die by a prioritized list. Like there are my goals, right? (laughs) And they have to be stack ranked. When someone shows me a list that's not stacked ranked, I go crazy. Um, Because I think that helps your team, your board, even your customers know where you're focusing. So I, at the beginning of the year, always say, here's our top five to 10. I really prefer five, but five goals. Um, with metrics tied to them. And then throughout the year, I'm consistently working with my team to see how we're trending against them. Sometimes you have to change them. I try not to. Um, 
but that sort of consistent, here's our goals, here's the most the staff ranked list. If it's not on the list, it's not important. Um, and take that mindset consistently, uh, it, I think it helps. Because I think people need that. I always get asked, what are we not doing? And I say, well, listen, if it's not on the list, don't do it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's easy to do when you have a list that's stacked because you know what's to do next. Yes. Another aspect is emotion. I have a saying, people buy on emotion for logical reasons. And this is the crux of the board in you to be able to quantitatively express emotional responses that are not predictable. Um, For you, you have to have a high emotional intelligence in order to be a great CMO. Uh, For you, what are some of the emotions that are tied to go-to that you as an objective are looking at that allow you to make the logical decision? Yeah, as a brand. I smile because if you look, when you know, if you look at GoTo, if you look at us anywhere, our colors are yellow. It's like a big, bold yellow. Yeah. And when I showed it to my CEO, he was like, "Whoa, I don't know." But it was actually a very scientific process where we looked at a color wheel and looked where no one was. But it actually was so great because yellow emits happiness. Like that's what the what the color is supposed to emote. You know. Yeah. I'm a happiness guy, so you nailed it right here. I'm on a mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. So you really? couldn't pick a better color. So okay, you, well, you're sh- preaching to the cry. Okay, choir. I love it. Um, well, I feel that way. And I want our brand to bring happiness, honestly. And the reason, well, how does a tech brand bring happiness? Well, if you think about our buyer, it's IT departments, small, mid-sized businesses, people who are dentists or lawyers who don't have an IT department. And they're looking for technology because they need it. They want it to be easy, right? They want it to be just simple. They want it to work. And for that, like, that's what we do. We just want to make IT easy, make you happy, make your life easier so you can go on doing your job and do it as best as you can. So yellow has a really big meaning and a lot of emotion. That's super intentional with our brand. Well, we are thinking yellow for this podcast because you have made me extremely happy. It's very rare that I have someone that has the insight that can help so many small business and mid-sized business owners, executives, associates exceed their own expectations and lower the fear that IT causes. You know, I'm a recovering lawyer myself who started his career in technology when people were telling me the internet was going to be a fad. (laughs) And Justice Scalia actually told me that nobody would ever do research on the internet that you needed books so we've come a long way because of marketers (laughs) like you that are able to communicate an essence of vibration or a frequency and create a neighborhood or a community to provide quantitative value thank you so much for articulating that value to us and giving us such great advice jamie uh and i'm not even going to try to pronounce it but i will here we go Dimit (laughs) dominici dominici there we go i screwed it up again but anyway Just check out Jamie D. She's the CMO of GoTo. She's an extraordinary entrepreneur and a leader, better known as an intelligent follower. Follower, And uh, we need more wonderful women executives out there. The numbers aren't high enough, but you're giving me great reason to keep striving for my three daughters to take positions like yours someday. Thank you for joining me. This is David Meltzer on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.